When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert, and we are live right there, live after the eighth installment of the January 6th committee hearings. I'm going to get to all the juicy and disturbing details in just a moment, but first, I want to send get well wishes to our thank the Lord and 81 million voters current president, who this morning tested positive for COVID-19. Now, They're not sure how the president contracted COVID. I suspect he wished on a cursed monkey's paw for any positive news. (laughs) Gotta be careful. (laughs) I don't know why they let him have a cursed monkey's paw. (laughs) Biden is 79 years old, but this afternoon he put out a video to say everything's fine. No one should be worried. Hey, folks, guess you heard. This morning I tested positive for COVID. But I've been double vaccinated, double boosted. Yeah, he's double vaccinated, double boosted, and just to be extra careful, he's double fisting. <laughs> they, they say ice cream is one of the best, one of the best prophylactics. He continued. Symptoms are mild, and uh, and I really appreciate your inquiries and your concerns. But I'm doing well, I'm getting a lot of work done. That's right, COVID isn't gonna slow Joe Biden down, cause he can't get any. Slower. (laughs) Here we go. Let's go. Come on, who's with me? Let's go. (laughs) The big story tonight is, of course, the hearings. And tonight, the committee was laser-focused on the January 6th activities of former President JFKFC. (laughs) Now... Like President Biden, uh, Chairman Benny Thompson recently tested positive for COVID, so he joined via Zoom. And luckily, his bedroom wallpaper is all flag. (laughs) Thompson kicked off the hearings with this bombshell. As we've made clear throughout these hearings, our investigation goes forward. We continue to receive new information every day. 
We continue to hear from witnesses. We will reconvene in September to continue laying out our findings to the American people. We're getting a sequel in September, and a fall hearing is perfect because the former president is pumpkin spice. <laughs> now, Illinois rep... Delicious. Absolutely. People, I love People it. People love it. I love it's it. It's so delicious. Warm. Illinois Representative Adam Kinzinger stated the plain and simple reason the former president sat on his butt during the riot. The mob attacking the Capitol quickly caused the evacuation of both the House and the Senate. The count ground to an absolute halt and was ultimately delayed for hours. The mob was accomplishing President Trump's purpose, so of course he didn't intervene. Yes. When a mob is doing exactly what you want, you only encourage them. Am I right? Greatest audience in the world? Thank you, citizens. Thank you. Thank you. Please. Thank you, citizens. <laughs> Kinzinger summed up the committee's thesis. President Trump did not fail to act during the 187 minutes between leaving the ellipse and telling the mob to go home. He chose not to act. He chose not to act. Same review he got for Home Alone 2. <laughs> Virginia representative. Wow. Virginia representative Elaine Luria painted a vivid picture of where the former president was physically all that day. Witnesses told us that on January 6th, President Trump sat in his usual spot at the head of the table facing a television hanging on the wall. We know from the employee that the TV was tuned to Fox News all afternoon. Here you can see Fox News on the TV showing coverage of the joint session that was airing that day at 1.25. Nothing unusual there, just an elderly man parked in front of Fox News all day, confused about where the president is. <laughs> now... Or words to that effect. Or words to that effect. Luria also laid out what the former president didn't do in that time. It's important to understand what he never did that day. Oh, let me guess. Uh, eat a salad. Uh, <laughs> tell Eric he was proud of him. Uh, uh, have a bowel movement without praying for God's mercy. Uh, oh, 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 I know. Win the election. <laughs> there, well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. There was a whole list of security officials the president didn't reach out to that day. We have confirmed in numerous interviews with senior law enforcement and military leaders, Vice President Pence's staff and D.C. government officials, none of them, not one, heard from President Trump that day. He did not call to issue orders. He did not call to offer assistance. He did not call them from a box. <laughs> he did not call while watching Fox. <laughs> he did not help out Uncle Sam. His brain is made of eggs and ham. But, 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 in his defense, it is possible he forgot the number for 911. <laughs> they also played testimony of White House counsel Pat Cipollone, showing just how much he and others tried to get the president to act. 
did she continue, Mr. Cipollone, throughout the period of time up until 417, continue, you and others, to push for a stronger state? Yes. Were you joined in that effort by Ivanka Trump? Yes. Eric Hershey? Yes. By Mark Meadows? Yes. Is the president guilty? Yes. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes. Who's your favorite 70s prog rock group? Yes. Was every single person in the White House other than the president horrified by his criminal coup attempt? Yes! 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 I'll have the cheese out. Even though advisors wanted him to make a public address, they knew it would come with a couple of risks. President Trump's advisors knew his state of mind at that moment, and they were worried about what he would say in unscripted comments. Yes, they were worried he'd walk up to the podium in the press room and start jazz scatting. Hang Mike Pence. <laughs> An unnamed security official testified just how real the threat was. The members of the BPT tell at this time were starting to fear for their own lives. Um, there were a lot of there was a lot of yelling, um, a lot of A lot of very personal calls um, over the radio, so uh, it was disturbing. I don't like talking about it, but um, uh, there were calls to um, say goodbye to family members, so on and so forth. Members of Pence's security detail were calling their families to say goodbye. That's how real the danger was. So anytime. Some Republican says this was just a normal tourist visit. Remember that the guy at Disneyland dressed up as Goofy never has to call his wife to say, I mean, I'll make it home tonight. <laughs> Kiss the kids. Now, during the violence, during all this violence, the ex-president tweeted another attack on Mike Pence, and one rioter explained the effect on the other rioters. Well, that's historic. No one has ever admitted Mike Pence screwed them. <laughs> There's circumstantial evidence, but that's about it. Hearsay. <laughs> then the committee talked about Missouri Senator Josh Hawley. <laughs> the man who famously raised a fist in solidarity with the mob before entering Congress that day. Turns out, once the mob broke into the building, he wasn't quite so enthusiastic to stand with them. Later that day, Senator Hawley fled. After those protesters he helped to rile up stormed the Capitol. See for yourself. <laughs> yeah! Uh, Look at him go! Jim, can we play that back with the audio turned up? One witness described a stunning phone call between Kevin McCarthy and the former president. I asked Kevin McCarthy, who's the Republican leader, about this. Um, and he said he called Donald Trump. He finally got through to Donald Trump. And he said, 
you have got to get on TV, you've got to get on Twitter, you've got to call these people off. You know what the president said to him? This is as it's happening. He said, well, Kevin, these aren't my people. You know, these are, these are Antifa. First of all, no. <laughs> but second of all, okay, let's say they were Antifa. Wouldn't that make the president want to stop them more? You heard it here first. The former president doesn't want to stop Antifa, and he thinks they are very special people, and he loves them. <laughs> while the president... <laughs> while the president did not get in front of the camera for three hours on January 6th, the committee showed politicians of both parties calling on him to take action, including this guy. I call on President Trump to go on national television now to fulfill his oath and defend the Constitution and demand an end to this siege. Oh, my God. Who was that vital young man? <laughs> He's got pep in his step. He'd make a great president. Somebody nudge Joe Biden awake and tell him we found his successor. <laughs> in his closing statement, Representative Kensinger brought the whole thing home. Whatever your politics, whatever you think about the outcome of the election, we as Americans must all agree on this. Donald Trump's conduct on January 6th was a supreme violation of his oath of office and a complete dereliction of his duty to our nation. It is a stain on our history. It is a dishonor to all those who have sacrificed and died in service of our democracy. Yes. He... Well said. Yes. He is a stain on our history. And thanks to these hearings, we know that stain is ketchup. In her closing statement, Congresswoman Luria quoted our 16th president. I was not as prescient as Abraham Lincoln, who 23 years before the Civil War said, if destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and its finisher. Donald Trump was the author, and we the people, for ourselves and our posterity, should not let Donald Trump be the finisher. It's true. We cannot let Donald Trump finish. That's how we got Eric and Don Jr. It's too risky. So, all in all, it was a long night, almost three hours. But it wasn't nearly as long as the 187 minutes where the former president did nothing to stop an ongoing insurrection that he created and then watched it all in glee as it played out on TV. Let's just hope some of his followers were watching this tonight. We've got a great show for you tonight. Up next, Chris Hayes. Late Show Poncho listeners can get 20% off on all Late Show with Stephen Colbert merchandise on ParamountShop.com. That's 20% off at checkout on all Late Show shirts, mugs, accessories, and more with code TLS20 at ParamountShop.com. 
guest tonight has reported on politics for two decades and is the host of All In with Chris Hayes. Please welcome Chris Hayes. Good to see you. Thank you so much. Great I always love having you. you on here. Now, uh, you know, I love me and my Chris Hayes. I try to get all in, you uh -huh. know. You love, the name. you love the name. I love the name All In with Chris Hayes. <laughs> I can't always get on All In. Sometimes I'm just tired. But <laughs> how All In was Chris Hayes tonight on these hearings? Deep. Quite, really? Quite All In, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, yeah. I, thought it was, I thought it was just remarkably compelling. Um, I think that's been the case throughout. Um, I thought some of the new evidence that we got, particularly the, the video they played um, mm -hmm. that we haven't seen before, particularly the Secret Service... Mm -hmm. Communications was just unbelievably harrowing. What what is it about that? Because I was I'd love to get your reaction. Because I was really struck when I heard that they were really in fear. Those Secret Service guys and their job. I've, I'm sure you've met a lot of yep. them. We've had a lot of them come through here. They are absolutely stoic. But that they wanted to call their families and say goodbye. What does that say about the reality of that day that we don't even know yet? I think it's it's how close it came. Not just how close it came in sort of the abstract sense of how close we came to an actual coup being pulled off, how close we came to the president of the United States leading a mob in a revolt against American constitutional governance onto the Capitol, which we came close to. Mm -hmm. But in a physical sense, it was a matter of seconds and feet between the vice president of the United States who had had a target painted on his back by the president and the crowd that was out for blood for him. And you can hear in the vocal timbre on those comms of the S S Secret Service, they are in fight or flight mode. Mm -hmm. They're, they are not, these are usually, as you say, very cool customers. Mm -hmm. They are trained to deal with eventualities. They're trained to deal with, okay, that exit's closed, we're gonna go that exit. You can hear a little bit of panic in the voices. Yeah, they don't have total operational and situational awareness. Yes. They wouldn't. They wouldn't react if a fried egg winked at them. <laughs> okay. Has that happened to you? What? No, it never has. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> Any other revelations from tonight that leap out to you? For instance, what about we saw outtakes, especially of the January 7th speech, yeah. where he seemed uh, very out of sorts, the former president, slamming the podium and, 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 and said he didn't want to say that the election was over. He wanted to take that out of the script. What'd you make of that? It, I thought it was very revealing, that sentence. I mean, that sentence where he says, I don't want to say it's over, which mm. says everything. Right. Combi he'll even say that the, the, the ballots had been certified. Right, and he'll say that, right, exactly. Congress, he says, I want to say, Congress is certified, right? Mm -hmm. But he doesn't want to say it's over. And when you juxtapose that with the fact that just this past week, a local news outlet is in Wisconsin reports on the Wisconsin Speaker of the Assembly getting a call from Donald Trump telling him he wants to overturn the 2020 election. Yeah, decertify it. Last week. Decertify it, yes. When you combine, I don't want to say what's over, with the fact that this is ongoing, it, there's something incredibly darkly prophetic about him saying, I don't want to say it's over. What do you, what do you feel that uh, Matthew Pottinger and Sarah Matthews contributed with their testimony tonight? It's such a strange, it, it's a very interesting rhetorical approach the committee has taken. They are attempting to persuade, and the people that need to be persuaded are people that are, by and large, Republicans. In order to do that, as Liz Cheney said at the end of that hearing, we have presented to you voices of loyal Republicans 
not his political enemies, but his political supporters, the people that work for him, the people that believed in him. And they are confessing that they found this behavior intolerable. So Matthews and Pottinger were there to do that, right? They were there until that day, and the coup happens, the attempted coup happens, and that's too much for them. And so in that way, I think they lend credibility to the idea that outside of Donald Trump himself, there was essentially unanimity among the people that were loyal to him that what had happened was indefensible and that his conduct on that was indefensible. Who do you think comes off worse in this? Who around him looks the worst now? Oh, I think Meadows works, looks the worst by far. He looks completely ineffectual and spineless. Yes, and also this just, yes, and, and also this, <laughs> this bizarre cipher. Everyone else, I mean, partly because Meadows hasn't given his testimony, right? A lot of the testimony is people attempting to kind of wash a little bit what's left of the reputation. So they right. get in and they say, well, I, I said we can't do this. You yeah. know? Meadows hasn't been there. So all we know is that he's there scrolling his phone as the country's burning. A little candy crush. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> you know. We have to take a quick break, but stick around. We'll be right back with more Chris Hayes, everybody. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, uh, okay let's get back, get back to the hearings. The committee focused today on the 187 minutes uh, of, the, of the former president's inaction. Now that we have a, a fuller picture of what he was or was not doing that day, how does that change the story? Well, I think, I mean, in some ways, I think saying he didn't act undersells a little bit because there is one extremely crucial action in that period, which is that he sends out a tweet sicking the crowd on Mike Pence, who is in the building that they are overrunning. Mm -hmm. And I think that both what we saw today and what we learned today and what we learned from all of the, the testimony and evidence they've introduced is that that tweet looks worse and worse and worse and worse with every new fact we learn. It, look, it is harder and harder not to think that the president, in a fit of rage, was attempting to have the mob remove Mike Pence from his ability to do his constitutional duty. Because every other gambit had failed. Yes. And after that, all you can do is, uh, in this case, quite literally burn it down. And, and that combined with the fact that we know he was calling U.S. senators. So he's in the room. But we don't know who yet. We don't know who. I hope we find out who. Other than Tommy Tuberville. Tommy Tuberville, who's, who's on the phone with the president being like, yeah, we got to... Okay, we got to get out of here. They're, I think they're evacuating us, Mr. President. Mm -hmm. uh, we can talk about this later, right? Mm -hmm. So he's in there. He's, he, still wants, he still wants his coup to happen. Mm -hmm. We know also a new fact we learned tonight that I thought was incredibly incriminating was that the White House photographer who takes pictures of everything all the time mm -hmm. wants to go into the room because she understands that this is a historic moment. Yes. And she is shootout. Yeah. So there's no documentation. The call logs are shut down. He's not going through the White House switchboard. He's there with his cell phone. 
He is calling U.S. senators. And at that point, I think you have to conclude, and I said this before, it's he is, A, watching the coverage the way that the owner of a basketball team in the front row mm -hmm. roots on their team. Mm -hmm. yeah. He is, he is, he's sitting there like, He's a spectator. Well, let's talk about one of his top draft picks, uh, Josh, <laughs> Josh Hawley. There's a really lovely moment. Mr. Fiska. Yes. Mr. Fiska. Yeah. There's really a lovely moment where, where they show him running. Why do you think they did that? What was the value of, of showing Josh Hawley ski-daddling? The value was the committee telling Josh Hawley to go F himself. <laughs> I mean, I don't... Was, I don't think... I don't think there was... I don't think there was a tremendous amount of probative value <laughs> no. in the presentation. I mean, It was I think, a little off-road. Well, it was off-road, but it's also like, you... You know, you went out there that day. You were... I think the message there is, and again, I think it's important for us to see that they were running because they were scared, because they were being evacuated. Right. But you went out there that day to go throw your fist up and to play with fire, mm -hmm. and everyone got to see you do that and see you fundraise after it and see you talk about how you own the libs, mm -hmm. but not see you with your tail between your legs when the mob <laughs> is about to knock down your door. You've been reporting on politics for 20 years. This is the eighth hearing, ninth hearing tonight? Yep, eighth, eighth hearing tonight. What has most surprised you? Is there anything about that surprised you most about the last eight hearings? Well, I think, I mean, I, the, the sheer amount of new information they have uncovered is genuinely remarkable. And I mean, how they've given it to us. That is the other, that was exactly what I was just going to say. It is, as a uh, television practitioner, Yeah. Uh, it has been a tour de force of production. I think I mean, it's going to change how any congressional hearing absolutely. is held to a standard because the, you know, the the circus that usually happens is no longer going to be seen as entertainment. This is actually informative and interesting. Yes, although the precondition, the necessary, and I agree. But the necessary precondition for that is that you have a unanimity of purpose among the members of the committee across party lines to get to the bottom of what happened and to present their case to the American public. That is usually not the case. Right. If you, if Jim Jordan were up there in his shirt sleeves, right. you know, and, uh, you know, it, and everything is broken down in majority time, minority time, res, you know, response rebuttal, you can't do what they're doing. I think that is proof that Kevin McCarthy does not deserve to be speaker because he doesn't understand politics well he, enough to know what his own game was. Let, let me, I'm sorry, we've yeah. got to take a quick break. We'll come back to this. We gotta take another break. We'll be right back with more Chris Hayes, everybody. Enjoying this episode of the Late Show Pod Show? Then head to cohst.app/lateshow or visit the link in the description to fill out our quick two-minute survey all about getting to know you. After the testimony last week, when we first saw Pat Cipollone yeah. talking, you said you wanted to throw something at the TV 
when you would hear him talk yeah. about the behavior of, of his legal team. Why? He was talking about this meeting on December 18th where this sort of rogues gallery of the Sidney Powells and mm -hmm. the Michael Flynn's are in there and the, mm -hmm. and the overstock guy. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and he said, you know, they didn't, they, it became clear to me they didn't believe in backing up their arguments with facts. It's like, buddy, do you know who you work for? Like, what? Th there is this air of enforced naivete that surrounds mm -hmm. the testimony of individuals like Bill, uh, Bill Stepien, who was the campaign manager, mm -hmm. and Pat Cipollone and Bill Barr. And they said, well, the president was saying this stuff that wasn't true. Well, we checked it out, and I, we, ran it, we ran it to ground, and I, and I kept telling him it wasn't true, and he just kept coming back. It's like, I I'm going to lose my mind. Like, do you, were you that... Were you that delusional, well, or are you lying now? But it has to be one of the two. I like that they, uh, that they try to describe themselves as like team normal and yeah. team crazy. You worked for the president. president. You're all on yes. team crazy. Yes, thank you, thank you. You got drafted. Correct. By Coach Crazy. Correct. Okay, so let's talk about the missing text from the Secret Service. It does not seem plausible on any level, and my understanding is just a few hours ago that uh, a criminal investigation has been launched into the behavior of the Secret Service and the deletion of the information. Yes, there's news that the Inspector General has launched what is now a criminal investigation into that, that several of the Secret Service agents at issue have retained private counsel. Mm -hmm. um, everything about this stinks. And the only thing I'll say about it, because I don't have any new information to add, is that watching the evidence today be introduced and the frenetic harried communications of the Secret Service of that day, and the person in the White House who is listening to their comms as they are saying goodbye to their family or think that they're about to possibly lose their lives, makes you think, boy, we probably learned a lot from the Secret Service's communications on January 6th. Mm -hmm. A little weird they got rid of them. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that um, Representative Cheney said today was that um, they've gotten more information and that the dam is breaking in terms of the resistance to getting sort of more inside information. And that leads to a, a broader question is, what do you think that the aggregate impact of this will be, all this information presented in a clear way uh, and in a calm way, will have politically? And I don't mean necessarily the horse race. I mean on the Republican Party and their fealty to Donald Trump. On the latter question, I think that they have done... I mean, I am not the target audience here, so I don't want to sort of project... But that's clear that they, they have <laughs> yeah. a target audience. Yeah, and they do. I think... Here's what I think. I think his political power in the Republican Party is actually waning a little bit. Doesn't mean he's not the front-runner. He is. Doesn't mean that he is not the most likely person to be the nominee. He, he is definitely the most likely person to be the nominee. And in fact, if you asked me to bet against him or the field, I'd probably take him over the field. But... The baggage here, they, they have done a very good job of draping this baggage around his neck. And even if you're a guy who thinks Donald Trump was great and you hate the libs and you hate the Democratic Party and you want to win, you got to have it in your head right now of like, man, that's a, he's got a lot of baggage. Do we want someone with that much baggage? And I think that does create a bit of a crack and a, big, a bit of an opening. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for doing it live. This has been The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Poncho, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 11.35, 10.35 Central on CBS and Paramount+. Plus. And for more exclusive Late Show content, Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube. 
CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Hey, everyone. It's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate, though. Because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives, is the whole point. Each week, I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts.